0: Good morning, everybody. Good morning. It is, again, just uh, my pleasure and uh, so happy to be here with you this morning. Who was not here last night? Let me just see a couple. Y- okay, so there's quite a few hands that went up, and you weren't here last night. Um, shame on you. No. <laughs> 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 shame on you no no we I, i'm i'm just so glad for those of you that uh were here last night and you've come back and those of you that weren't here um i obviously cannot go over everything that i taught last night but i uh want to talk to you a little bit uh, about um living the christ life and that and we started looking at that last night and I'm just going to quickly go over a couple of points here just to kind of bring us up to speed uh, uh, this morning. And, uh, you know, last night we looked at the fact that, you know, living the Christ life, or we could call it living from the inside out instead of living from the outside in. See, religion, uh, legalism, uh, the the old covenant mentality is to live from the outside in that means we 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 take from uh what was given to moses the law of moses and and then all of the uh uh, laws that were added to those 10 commandments and uh, uh we live it you know by saying well this is what the lord requires this is what uh, you know, if you do these things, you are a good Christian, for instance. And I mentioned that last night because a lot of people will say, well, you know, I don't, I don't try to live according to the law of the, of the Ten Commandments. Uh, but you see, legalism is anything you think you ought to do or should do or must do for God in order to win His favor, to have Him on your side, for Him to love you, for Him to uh, bless your life, uh, that is law and legalism. And um, so last night we started looking at about the fact that Christian life is not about a new way of performance, a new way of doing things right but it is a whole new life, a whole new motivation of life based not on some uh, moral standard of spirituality that, um, that we try to live up to in a religious, uh, uh, you know, religious holiness that we want to live up to, but uh, it is built upon and established upon the very life of the Spirit of Christ that lives now in us. So much of what was said this morning uh, already establishes the fact that we have received the very life of Christ in us. If you're a believer here today, then the truth of your life is, is that Christ is your life. You know, we, uh, I, I hear so much of what be, what's preached is, what, you know, well, all you've got to do is you've got to just uh, receive Christ into your life to make your life better. No, uh, Jesus doesn't come to give you and make your life complete. Without Jesus, you have no life. There is no life outside of Jesus. And he is our life so uh, last night we looked at uh, a, a couple of passages of scripture I'm just going to quickly g- refer to them uh, in Hebrews because a lot of people believe and a lot of people think and have the idea that uh, what God has done now and we've taken these verses out of Hebrews chapter 8 verse 10 Hebrews chapter 10 verse 16 that speaks of and, and, and it looks like, and if you uh, are not careful, you easily can take this as uh, God has written the old covenant laws, the Ten Commandments, on stone. But now, as believers, He has written, as it were, those, those laws upon our hearts and our minds. And the scriptures uh, s- the, uh, seem to bear that out. But is that really Is that really what is spoken about when it speaks about God has written His laws upon our hearts and our minds? Is it the Ten Commandments? Like, for instance, the Ten Commandments, all the laws, all the rules that we feel that we live up to from the outside in. Are we now just to live those same rules from the inside out? Uh, uh, Well, if that is what it is, if that is what what is referred to is that now we just have the Ten Commandments written upon our hearts, and now we also practice those Ten Commandments the same way that we did previously, then why do we have a new covenant? This it's no different. That's no different to, to uh, the old covenant. Why did Jesus then come to die? Amen. <laughs> Hallelujah. And so we started looking at all of the reasons, and I'm not going to go through all of the reasons why I find it difficult, and we should find it difficult to believe that that is what God intended for us uh, to live now the old the, the old covenant or the Old Testament laws now are written on, on our hearts. And now we live those laws out from the inside out. And now what's going to be any better? Because we're still going to try to live those laws. And that's where so many Christians live today. That's what most of Christianity has been built on. Is that we've just exchange the old covenant laws for now a, a, as it were, a new covenant law, which is exactly the same. And we still try to practice being a good Christian, doing certain things, performing for God, thinking that we can actually do what is required. You know, it's, it's amazing. There are some people that actually think, that they have been able or they have practiced the law or the Ten Commandments and have actually succeeded in keeping it in their lives. Now, usually those people are just totally, absolutely deceived. And Jesus, Jesus made it very clear. I don't want to spend too much time in this, but Matthew chapter 5, you know, the Sermon on the Mount where Jesus was preaching... Verse 17 is a powerful uh, verse, Uh, and and, and let let me just, I wasn't going to go there, but but let me quickly just go there and and just read this to you. Matthew chapter 5 verse 17 says this, he says, Think not that I have come to destroy the law or the prophets. I have not come to destroy, but to fulfill. Now listen to the next verse. For verily I say unto you, till heaven and earth passes, not one jot, not one tittle shall pass from the law till it be fulfilled. Here's the problem. Jesus is saying, he says, Don't think that I have come to destroy the law or the prophets. Because, you see, a lot of people will say, well, what I'm preaching is you're saying that Jesus came to destroy. See, there's a difference between destroying and fulfilling. Mm-hmm. Jesus didn't come to break or destroy the law. He came to fulfill it. But notice what he says. He says, not one dot, not one till. That means not one aspect of the law and living under the law and the requirements of the law will ever pass away until all be fulfilled. You know, I've heard so many people talk about, well, you know, the, it's not one jot, not one tittle of the, of the Bible. That's not talking about the Bible. It's talking about the Ten Commandments and all of the laws that, that uh, is associated with that. Jesus is saying, not one part. Basically, Jesus is saying this. Unless I come and fulfill. You see, when you fulfill, what is, what is the law and, and the prophets speaking about? It's the old covenant, it's an agreement. How many of you understand an agreement? You know, if you go buy a house, you sign an agreement with the bank who loans you the money, and uh, you can either break that agreement, which has consequences, or you can fulfill that agreement, that means by paying it up. Both ways, that covenant or agreement comes to an end. Both ways. Jesus, I'm not going to bring the covenant or this new, this agreement. What was the agreement? The agreement was that if you, and and, uh, how many of you understand God has never changed? He's never changed. Some people say, well, it looks like he's changed from the Old Testament to the New Testament. No, he hasn't changed. God has always had a standard of having fellowship with him. That means God, God has always had a standard that you need to live up to or be in order to have a relationship with Him. How many of you know what that standard is? Perfection. If you want to have a relationship with God, you better be perfect. That's God's standard. It's always been His standard. And if you want to if you have a relationship with God... And and actually walk in favor with God, you better be perfect. <laughs> I don't know about you, but uh <laughs> but, but you say, Well now in the New Testament it's not like that." It. Yes, yeah, still like that. It's exactly still like that. See, the perfection was that if you were going to have a relationship, well, you better be able to keep the law perfectly. But you can't. It's impossible. You You don't have what it takes. But Jesus did. And Jesus, becoming a human being, becoming one of us, came and fulfilled. That covenant or the law, and, and I love about it, the law and the prophets. And the prophets. He fulfilled it, bringing it to an end and making you perfect. Hebrews chapter 9 is beautiful. You're start, I don't want to get into it, but He makes you perfect. Turn to your neighbor, turn to your husband, your wife. I know. Your wife's gonna look at you strange when you say this, but look at her and just say, I'm perfect. I'm perfect. Oh, come on. Yes, <laughs> me <too. laughs> amen. Me too. I'm perfect now. I'm perfect in Christ, in Christ, God has made me perfect. And therefore I am acceptable, I am holy, I am not becoming holy, you are holy. Hallelujah. Boy, once we understand that, then we start to see that, you know what? Uh, the 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 new law what is then this law that God says he was going to write upon our hearts if it's not the old covenant it's if it's not about the rules now written on our hearts that we try to keep then what is this law that God has written upon our hearts and this is where we ended off last night and we ended off by saying this that the law that God now writes upon your heart is the law of of jesus christ he is the law written upon my heart so let us look uh, just very briefly and i realized this morning as i was preparing that there's just no way i'm going to go through and be able to teach everything that i've prepared to teach and so what i'm going to do is i'm just going to trust god and i'm going to ask you to trust god that he that he will help me to share with you what's needed here this morning I just realized that this is way more than just two messages, but that it's probably going to be three or four. And that's usually, you know, as a teacher, I'm not, I'm not a preacher. I'm a, I'm a teacher. I like to teach and teach from, I'm a, I'm a Bible teacher. And so I like to teach. And in order to do that, I'm not going to be able to finish it all, but I believe God has a word for you today. So what is this? What is this law that God has has written upon our hearts? Uh, You know, uh, number one, the first aspect of this, number one, is the law of love. The law of love is... uh, the law that God writes upon our hearts. When you receive Jesus Christ, and and again, I don't want to run ahead of myself, we receive the Spirit of Christ, who is the lover of my soul. Oh, hallelujah. Man, I tell you something, when you understand that, see, look, under the old covenant of law, love was demanded of you. It was demanded of you. Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 4 and 5 is, uh, you know, and, and I'm not going to go to it. Basically, it just says this. Love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, with all thy mind. Amen. And, and then, of course, Jesus added, and your neighbor as yourself. And so many people, again, in Christian, in Christendom, we tend to always go to that verse. well if you're a good christian you know you will love the lord thy god with all thy heart with all thy soul with all thy mind with all thy strength and by the way as you're going to have to love your neighbor as yourself here's the big problem is that most christians don't even love themselves (laughs) because because what has what has what has been preached to them has caused them to not like themselves they don't accept themselves. They don't believe that they are who God says they are. Well, I'm just an old wretched sinner saved by grace. Hallelujah. I'm just an old worm groveling in the dust, and I'm just happy God's not going to step on me. Come now. Don't, pre- don't shut me down because I'm preaching good. <laughs> Amen. Um, just think about it. And so. so uh, but yet we, we tend to put that forth as that is, that is what Christianity is about. You will love the Lord thy God. You know, I try to do that for most of my Christian walk in my, in, in my early days. I, 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 tr- I did. I tried. I t- and I had moments. I had moments like this morning when the presence of God is real in a place where we gather, it says, it says uh, where two or three are gathered, there I am in your midst. And we, we tend to feel and ex- experience the presence of God. I've had my moments where I actually felt like, yes, I do love God. Until the Lord one day challenged me. It's a long story. I don't want to get too, too, too involved in the story. But the Lord challenged me, said to me, really, do you really love me? And, I'm, and I realized, you know what? God knows my heart. Man, I, I, could, I could put on the two, yes, God, I love you. But I realized, he knows. He knows. And, I, I, and I thought, well, you know what? He said, do you really, do you really love me? And I said, Father, I, I want to. I desire to. I've done my best, but I guess I don't. And I fully expected God to say to me, you know, and, and in, the, in the same breath to say, well, that's exactly what I wanted you to know and understand, that I know that you don't really love me. <laughs> but what he did say to me shocked me to my core. He said, "I don't really care if you love me or not." I was like, "Devil, get behind me!" That was the that can only be the devil. You see, because everything I had ever learned was you love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy mind, with all thy soul, with all thy strength, and 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 I mean, and then you know, try to love your neighbour. Amen. Well, I mean, you know that's that, that's all I could do is try, and I mean some people are just not lovable. I don't know if you noticed, and I mean, and, and a lot of those people are Christians. They're not the most lovable people that you can be around. And and so I mean I just. I expect because that's all I ever knew. You better love God. And now I'm I'm confessing to God that I don't love him. And and he says, I don't care if you love me or not. And I really thought it was the devil. I mean, it, it it's like it can't be God. And the Lord said to me, Go to 1 John chapter 4 and verse 10. This is what love is. Not that you love god but that he loves you see god is not concerned if you love him or not but what he is concerned about is do you know and will you actually believe that he loves you are you guys with me here That day as I realized, and God said to me, I am so concerned about this that I sent my son to die on a cross as as the representation of my love for you and the world, all of humanity, that you will never doubt that I love you. I I was willing to bankrupt heaven so that you may know that I love you because god understands and john understood in verse 19 of that same chapter he says we love him because he first loved us you know if if, if you hear today the love of god is written and, uh, on our hearts as the law of love of God's love uh, for us Jesus in John 13 and verse 34 says a new commandment I give unto you yes God yes God's new commandment he says uh, he says love one another as I have loved you so love one another so what is he saying he says you need to love not only God, because listen, there is no capacity in you to love God. You don't have it unless he pours his love into you first. You see, unless somebody puts water in this bottle, I can't get any water out of it. And unless God pours his love into us first that we receive his love we have no capacity to love him back and that's why God says he says this is what love is all about not that you love God but that he loves you mm. You know, that's in that same chapter, John says this. He says, he says we have known and believed the love that God's, God has for us. See, it's amazing, Pastor Mark was talking about this today and how people will say, well, you know, is that all you preach? You preach on the love of God all the time? You know, I've, I've been preaching, listen, I've been preaching this and for 30 odd years. Maybe even longer. I've been preaching this, and I still have some of my peers that, will, that, that I'll meet, and they'll say to me, so Arthur, what is the Lord saying you, to you today? Are you still preaching that love stuff? <laughs> you see, I tell you, when, when, when people say that, then I realize they have no clue. They have no clue. A person who says, oh, you know, you're always about the love of God and the grace of God. You know, can't you can't you speak about anything else? The reason you say that is because you have no idea. You have no idea the depths, the breadth, the height, the width of God's love. It's it cannot be exhausted. Like I said, I've been preaching this for more than 30 years. And I still, every time I think about it, I think I'm only, I, I'm only scratching the surface. I don't, I have not seen the depths of it. Because every time I look, it goes deeper. It goes wider. It includes more. Hallelujah. So when God, now, now I know that people say, well, you know, that sounds good, but how does that happen? Well, Romans chapter 5 verse 5 says that God through receiving Christ pours his love into our hearts. He sheds his love abroad in our hearts. That is that is already shed in your heart. Hallelujah. The love of God is is uh, abundantly poured out into our hearts when God gives us the Holy Spirit, which is the Spirit of Christ. The Spirit of Christ. Hallelujah. Under the, uh, the Old Testament l- law, uh, was it was a rule to obey. Under the New Covenant or the New Testament or the new law written in our hearts, the Spirit of Christ is given to us through whom he loves us and enables us to love others. Amen. Oh, hallelujah. You know, people say, well, you know, I'm, how am I going to do this if I don't, if I don't, you well, love God? Man, I tell you something. The more you come aware of the love that God has for you, the more you just cry out, Abba, 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 I love you, Daddy i love you you can't stop it it's not something you have to conjure up it's not something that somebody has to remind you to do under the old covenant we had to make an effort to obey and say i'm gonna love god oh yes that's right i remember that i have gotta love god no see under the new law written in our hearts Uh, We have to make an effort to disobey. We have to make an effort to stop loving God. It will come right out of your heart. Number two, what is this law? The law of the spirit of life is a who and not a what. Are you guys with me here? The law of the spirit of life... um, it is important, I believe, to understand the difference between the old covenant law, the, 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 the uh, uh, a written rule, a code that we keep, or the new covenant law of life, the life of Christ in us. Now, uh, Romans chapter seven verse twenty-four says this. It says uh, here's here's where. uh, Remember last night, we we looked at uh, Romans chapter 8, verse 1. There is therefore now no condemnation to them that are in Christ. Well, uh, Paul wrote that uh, as an answer to his questions in chapter 7. You know what Paul did there in chapter 7? That's where he comes, he says, When I want to do good, (laughs) I find that I do good. Evil. And he says, I love the law of God and I want to do what is right, but every time I try to do what is right, I find myself doing that, what is wrong. And then he cries out in, in verse 24 What a wretched man I am. Who will deliver me? I like that. Who will rescue me from this body? that is subject to death. That's, now, what Paul is referring to here is any Anytime I go back to try to live up to a standard, a rule, uh, something that I think I ought to do, should do, must do for God in order to win His favor, the moment I enter into a rule-keeping system between me and God, then he says, I find that that which I want to do, I can't. And he says, so who? Now notice he didn't say what. He said, who is going to deliver me? The, that means the law of, uh, that God writes upon my heart is not a what, it's a who. It is Christ himself that comes. And and, and he is the one who is now going to deliver me from this body of death. So the old covenant law is a what? But the new covenant law is a who? The The old covenant or the old law ministers condemnation and death but the new law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus is the one who brings life and life more abundantly. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. Is, is, are, are you learning something here? Amen. Paul said, for the letter kills. Hallelujah. 2 Corinthians chapter 3 and verse 6. The letter kills. And he's talking about the letter of the law kills. But the spirit gives life hallelujah the spirit brings life so who gives life see not a set of rules whether it be on 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 tablets of stone or whether it be written on your heart it doesn't it cannot set you free It doesn't give life the perfect law of liberty is what James calls it can we go there And I'd like to just take and and kind of slow this down here. As a teacher, I would like to teach just from these verses for you. Verse verse 21 says, where uh, James writes and he says, Wherefore lay apart all filthiness of superfluity of naughtiness. (laughs) I I love the way it says it. And it says, and receive with meekness the engraved word, which is able to save your souls. But be doers of the word, and not hearers only, deceiving your own selves. For if any be a hearer of the word, everybody say the the word, and not a doer, he is like unto a man beholding his natural face in a glass or in a mirror. For he beholdeth himself and goeth away and straightway forgets what manner of man he was. But whosoever looks into the perfect law of liberty and continues therein, he being not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the work, this man shall be blessed in all his deeds. Now, there's a lot being said in this passage of Scripture, but I'd like to highlight a couple of things. The per- the, this perfect law of liberty can, can, can be contrasted with the law of Moses that blinds, you know, you know, you, you know that the, the law of Moses blinds people. That means uh, when I say the law of Moses, I'm, I, again, I'm talking about a rule-keeping system that you try to have in your relationship with God. What it will do, it will blind you. In fact, Paul says, whenever the law is read, there is a veil that comes over the eyes of those, of the, and says the, the, the eyes and the heart of those who listen to it. That means that, that basically, uh, in, 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 in a better term to put this, anytime you try to live up to a certain rule-keeping system between you and God, whether it be the Ten Commandments, whether it be some rules that your Christian community has somehow uh, got you to believe is what you need to do to be a good Christian, to, to, to be a good man of God or woman of God, or whether it be just something your own guilty conscience comes up with. See, sometimes our own guilty conscience, when we allow our our guilt towards God, will come up with, what can I do to feel better? Whenever you do that, it will blind you to the truth. You won't be able to see the truth. It will blind you to The truth of the very life of Christ in you. Not only will it blind you, uh, Romans chapter 7 verse 6 says it, it, it will bind you. It will bring you into bondage. Last night we looked at it, it says that when you do, sin is agitated in you. You know, people talk about, I think I said this last night, people talk about, well, you know, we've got just such a big sin problem. No, we don't have a sin problem. We have a law problem. We have a legalistic problem in the church, not not sin. See, whenever people live uh, in a relationship with God based upon legalism, it will agitate sin within people. It will draw you it will ca- conjure up in you all kinds of naughtiness, Hallelujah, <laughs> as the scripture says. Amen? Because, listen, the perfect law of liberty can be contrasted with the law of Moses. And what is implanted and engraved, uh, the engraved word, what is it? What is it that saves us? Well, again, it's not a what, it's a who, right? What is the perfect law of liberty? Let's go and have a look at what that is. I believe I can, can give you a, 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 just a quick rundown of what this is. See, uh, this implanted or engraved word is Jesus Christ. He is the word of God. Now, I, I know that you know this, but I'm going to say it anyway. I was just talking to somebody this morning before the service, and, uh, and they were talking about it and saying, well, you know, I, 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 I knew this, but last night it's like the lights came on. Well, here's, here's, here's the, the, the truth. The, the Bible says that every word or truth shall be established by two or three witnesses. That's why um, I, I love what Pastor Mark does here is that He doesn't bring people in here that, doesn't, that, that don't preach what he, or teach or stand for what He stands for. Because the, the, the way to confuse a congregation, to confuse people, is to preach one thing and then get somebody else in to preach something totally different. And probably, like I said last night, probably he's, and, 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 and Pastor Mark and, and, and Valerie, probably have taught you almost everything I've already said to you up until this point. Amen. People say, well, you know, I've, I've heard that before. Yeah, but you need to hear it from me. Because I have it right. No. No, no, see, the principle, this is a principle, this is a principle that works in us as human beings. That every word that we hear, whether it be true or false, every word that you and I hear, and then we have two or three witnesses to witness to that word, you'll believe it. Advertising. you. The advertising world uses it all the time. How many times have you not seen ads on television and you'll have a you know you'll have somebody and they they 've got some miracle uh late uh, 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 um, weight loss pill <laughs> right <laughs> and then they'll they'll tell you about what this is and how many years of research has gone into this and you kind of look at that and and most of the time we'll look and say. A pill? Hey, come on. But then they will bring a famous, let's say, a fi- famous scientist. And the, and the scientist will come and confirm what this person says. And then they bring a famous actor that everybody trusts. Right? Well, I mean, and if they say, then after that, they'll bring up. You know, a politician that nobody should trust. <laughs> and by the third person that witnesses to this thing, you're on the phone calling and, and getting, and, and, and getting your, your, your credit card number ready because you're now... Believe. That's what ha- They know that works. Well, it's, it's, it's a biblical truth. Amen. Are you with me here? What was I going to talk about? (laughs) The engraved word. The engraved word. And somebody said to me, you know, uh, uh, I've I've heard this before. It's very important. Jesus is the engraved word on your heart. He is the word of God. Now, I hope this is not going to shock any of you. But unfortunately, again, in the church world, we have called this the Word of God. Now, it, 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 you say to me, well, Arthur, don't you believe that that's the Word of God? Well, it's. I, would, I like to call it what the Bible calls itself. The Bible calls itself the Scriptures. Amen. I like Paul called it the Scriptures. Jesus called it the scriptures. Now, you could call it the Word of God. I call it the Word of God, too. But I would say it's the Word of God with small, uh, not with capital. It's a small letter word. This is the small letter word of God. Jesus Who he is and what he has done for us is the word of God in capitals. Are you with me here what I'm saying? If you want to know what God is saying to you, the only place to see it is in Jesus Christ. I'll prove it to you. John chapter 1 and verse 1. We know, I'm sure that you can quote this. If you've been a Christian for any period, you can quote this, right? What does it say? In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by Him, and without Him was not anything made that was made. In Him was life, and the life was the light of men and the light shines into darkness or in darkness and the darkness comprehendeth it not now now brothers now if if this here and i've heard so many people and there was a time that that's what i preached, is that jesus is the word he's the he's the scriptures no he's not he's not the scriptures because if 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 The word here refers to, and and, and the Greek there is the Logos. He is the Logos. Hallelujah. The Logos. You know, I wasn't going to preach on this. But anyway, I did say I'm going to let the Holy Spirit, you know. But this is so important that we get this. You have the Logos word, and then you have the spoken word, the rhema word right now unfortunately uh, because we've just simply called rhema the spoken word and the logos as the written word we've confused thinking that this is speaking about the scriptures in the beginning was the word okay so let me just put it like this if the word the the word of God here is referring to the Scriptures, we should be able to substitute the Word with the Scriptures, or Bible. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. All right, let's, let's substitute that with Bible. In the beginning was the Bible, and the Bible, well, as, as soon as you do that, you realize it can't be that. Jesus and who he is, what he accomplished and did for us on the cross, the gospel of grace is the word of God, and that's the graven word of God in your heart. That is the law, hallelujah, written in our hearts, is not a who, but uh, not a what, but a, but a who in our hearts does that make any sense with you now you know i know that some people say well arthur doesn't believe that the bible is the word of god no i, I mean you know you've got to really stretch that whole thing I do, I believe it's inspired I believe every word in this Bible is inspired by God through the Holy Spirit given to men to write down but the problem is is that Jesus when he comes he refutes a lot of what the Old Testament and what other people have said about God it's quiet in this (laughs) Presbyterian church You said to me, well, what do you mean? Well, if you look at Jesus and you try to go to Job, I mean, is is Job in the Bible? Is Job part of the scriptures? You know that 90% of what Job wrote is not true. 90% of what Job wrote about what he believed and who he believed God was, is absolutely not true. The problem is, well, but it's it's in the Bible. I know. But you need to be able to discern. How many of you understand that this Bible is not the gospel? (laughs) Pastor Mark is getting nervous, This Bible is not the gospel. This Bible contains the gospel. But the gospel needs to be discerned out of the scriptures. Paul didn't didn't say in Romans chapter 1, I'm not ashamed of the Bible. Well, first of all, he didn't even have the Bible. He didn't say, I'm not ashamed of the scriptures. He said, I'm not ashamed of the gospel. The gospel is a very specific message. The gospel is the good news message of the finished work of of the cross of Jesus Christ uh, and, and His forgiveness for all men for all time because of God's grace, mercy, love, and forgiveness. That's the gospel. If you want to define what the gospel is, that means that anything that does not not fall into the definition of the good news of God uh, is not the gospel. It might be Bible, but it's not gospel. unfortunately 90% of what's being preached from our pulpits today on this day in churches across this nation and the world is not the gospel oh it it's the it's the bible they take bible verses and they string them together to make a message but it's not the gospel and paul said it is the gospel that is the power of god unto salvation the problem is, is that we're preaching everything but the gospel and expecting people to be saved and set free and delivered. And they're not. Again, T.L. Osborne, I asked, I think it was last night, did anybody know, T.L. Osborne, man, wonderful man of God. And he did, said this, he, he said two things. He says, we don't have a sin problem, we have a law problem. And then he said, and, and, and the, the big problem is, is that we're not preaching because people always say, we need, we need more power in the church. How many of you know? We need, and it's amazing. If you can preach a message where you can whip people up. We need more power, people. Yes, we need more power. Because everybody knows we need to see the supernatural power of God in church and amongst us and in this world. And he said this, we don't have a power problem. We have a gospel problem we have a problem of not preaching the gospel and it is only the gospel that is the power of god man so we see here that this, this, this law of Christ, it cannot be the Ten Commandments. I believe it is Jesus Christ and, 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 and uh, who sets us free. Listen to J- James. What did James say there? He said, But whosoever looks into the perfect law of liberty. Now what is the perfect law of liberty? It is Jesus and His finished work on the cross. When you look, when you put your attention, your daily motivation and your, your uh, not motivation, your devotion on Jesus, who he is, and his finished work, hallelujah. It is the perfect law of freedom. And God has written his perfect law of freedom upon our hearts. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. See, when we look into the mirror of Moses' law, all it brings forth is death and frustration. But when we look into the perfect law of liberty, of the the law of Christ in my heart, what does it mean? When we look and we focus on and we, 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 we remember and we meditate upon the fact that because of Christ and what He has done, He has made me perfect. He has made me the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. He has made me holy, blameless, acceptable, loved of God. When I do that, that law sets me free to live a free life. Hallelujah. When we look into the perfect law of liberty, which is Jesus Christ, He says, don't just listen to it. Brother and sister, let me encourage you this morning. It, I tell you, it, what a blessing you have to be able to come to a church like this. That's right. what, a, what an absolute blessing. Because you know what? Uh, as I go all over the world, uh, I, I, I teach at Caris Bible College in, in Colorado, and I have students come up to me all the time and say to me, Arthur, this message is, I can't, I, there's no church I can go to. I, I don't know where, where can I now go? I can't, I cannot go to any church in my area where I, I don't know of any church that preaches this. You guys have a church right here. You have a couple right here that's preaching this message. And let me tell you what a blessing that is for you to be able to come to this because the, the, the option out there is not to ever hear this gospel. And I can, I can tell you now, if you've been exposed to this and you've cottoned on to the gospel and, and the revelation of the gospel has come to you and you go back to another church or to another place, and I'm not against those churches. Please, let me just make very clear. I'm not saying those people are evil. They don't know the difference. For nine years as a pastor, I didn't know. I had to, after, after 9, 10 years of preaching, I stood up before my congregation and I said to them, I am sorry, I repent, but I've not been preaching the gospel. I didn't know the truth and decided to preach something else. So I'm not saying those people are bad. The problem is, but if you go and sit under that again, the leaven of the Pharisees, you just just allow a little bit of that legalism into your thinking, and before you know it, you'll be back in your frustration. He said to me, what do you know about frustration? Let me just tell you, this legalistic thing literally brought me this far from committing suicide as a pastor. Stood with a 38 special cocked back ready and to my temple when God intervened. And the revelation began in that turmoil. Stood there with a gun in my office in the church And I was going to pull the trigger and I thought, I'm going to go straight to hell if I kill myself here. Now I believed that before. I don't believe that anymore. I don't believe that the God I serve would do that. that. So I put the gun down and I said, because I thought I, I won't be able to tell God how I feel. If I kill myself I'm gonna go to hell and I won't be able to tell him how I feel so I put the gun down and I started in to tell him and I started cussing God out like a sailor I'm not I'm not proud of saying that but I did I cussed God out so bad that I I thought while I was doing it, I thought now he's gonna kill you for sure And when I fully expended emotionally, I fell on the carpet and I was crying, you know that ugly cr- crying. And I heard the Spirit of God just say, "Arthur, you need to enter into my rest." And I say, I tell people, I said, "You think I was mad before? I got up off that floor and I exploded because it was it it was, it was almost an." Uh, a uh, what's the right term? It, it, it felt that it was derogatory. You need to enter into my rest. It, to me, it was like duh. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it was like well, you, you, you need to enter into my rest. Of course. This is what I'm looking for. Isn't that what you promised God? Come unto me, all ye that labor a heavy laden, and I will give you Rest. rest. I said, everything I've ever done since I've a believer is not rest. See, Because I couldn't live out. No matter how good I thought I could do, it was never enough. I mean, I, I ripped, I had a whole, a whole uh, bookshelf full of Bibles. I ripped every Bible off there i kicked them i I threw my bible against the wall it came apart in four pieces and i thought now he's going to kill you and again when i was fully fully expended he said to me arthur you need to enter into my rest and all i could remember was hebrews chapter three hebrews chapter four the people of god could not enter into his rest because of unbelief oh and and by the way did did i tell you that i was a word of faith preacher (laughs) and 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 the lord leads me to that scripture and says the reason you are not entering into my place of rest now what was the people of god could not enter into god's rest what was the rest the promised land the promised land What was in the promised land? The promised land was going to be the land of milk and honey. It was going to be the land where they will live in houses they didn't build. They were going to drink of the water and the wells they didn't dig. They were going to eat from the fruit of the fruit trees they didn't plant. What is it talking about? It's talking about grace. (laughs) And the Lord said... "You." The reason you are not entering in is because you're full of unbelief. Now, you know, if you want to offend a word of faith preacher, (laughs) tell, tell him he's full of unbelief. And again, I was offended. I said, God, what do you mean? And this is what he said. Now, I knew what he said. To some of you, this might be strange. He said to me, Arthur... Unbelief is not when you can't or won't believe. It is when what you're believing is un. Unbelief. See, the word unbelief is an active word. It means you're believing something, but what you're believing is inside out. It's wrong. Whew. And he said this to me. He said to me, you believe or you say I am good. But you don't really believe I'm good. He said, you believe I can be good. You believe I am capable of good. But you don't believe that I am good. And boy, I you! People ask me, where did your journey in grace begin? Right there. I said, Father, from this moment on, when I read the Bible, when I study, when I meditate, I am going to look for your goodness. I'm going to look for your goodness. I'm going to look at, and that, of course, brings us to the gospel. Hallelujah. The law Hallelujah. Perfect law of liberty. Man, I too. It's so much. <laughs> Hallelujah. We are born. I said this last night. We are born of the incorruptible seed. You, you and I have been born of a seed, and the seed is Christ in us. We are born of the very seed of God. You know, it's interesting about Paul. If you read uh, read Acts and see what Paul when 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 Paul was in Athens, it says that you know all the philosophers and the and the the uh, priests there of all these other religions that, that they were they were altars to all kinds of gods, and so they they kind of said to, to recognized Paul and said to Paul would you would you speak to us on, on Mars Hill you know. And then Paul gets up and he says, oh, by the way, he says, I've been walking around and I found an altar uh, with the inscription to the unknown God. Right? And he says, let let, let me just tell you about this unknown God. And he begins, he begins with how God led, you know, Moses and the people of Israel out of Egypt and all. But then he he comes and he says, by the way, let let, let me just tell you, he says, he says, the truth is, in him... Now, I'm gonna ask, I want to ask you this. I want you to think about this. Who's he talking to? I just told you, he's, he's on Mars Hill, and he's speaking to heathen. They're not believers. They're heathen. And, and Paul, he says, by the way, he says, he says this unknown God, <laughs> he says... You have already worshipped because you worshipped him over here on this unknown. You've worshipped him. And he says, and by the way, as your poets have said, some of us are old enough in this place to remember years ago in church. In him we live and move. Anybody know that song? And have our being. See, when I became a believer and when I became a Christian, I thought, man, that that must be a charismatic song. No. Paul says that was one of their, the heathen poets that wrote that song. And Paul says, by the way, in Him we live. Notice he didn't say, in Him I live and you don't. The mere fact that you breathe air is because God's involved in your life. You wouldn't be able to breathe if God wasn't busy in your life and and involved in your life. Are you guys with me? And then Paul says this, for we are his offspring. Notice he didn't say, I am his offspring and you're not. I'm messing with your theology right now, I know that. No, he says, we are his offspring. And that word, their offspring, is the Greek word "genos," which is which is from which is from uh, and can be as equal to the 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 Latin word where we get genetics from. We are His genetics. What I'm trying to tell you here today is is that the law that God has written upon your heart and my heart is Christ, the seed of God Himself, the incorruptible seed. Hallelujah. Cannot be corrupted. And you can trust it. You can trust Christ in you to lead you and guide you. And I want to end off with this scripture, and I'm just so far off my notes here. I'm just, <laughs> just going to, I mean, what, what do you do here? You just kind of end it. But I want to end it with, and, and Pastor Mark quoted from that, that passage of scripture uh, today. As I, as, I, as I was worshiping here, the Lord laid this on my heart to end off with here today because i know that people are going to say arthur what are you are you then saying that you know we can just go and live with, like we want to or what no because when you trust the seed the un- incorruptible seed the law of the spirit of life the law of god's love the law of uh, uh, the the um, uh, what did it say The, the perfect law of liberty that's written upon your heart when you trust in that when you rely upon that it will lead you to live a life people say "Well, god has called us to a holy life he's called us to a righteous life god has called us to a you know a moral life we, we need to no he's not called you to a moral life he's not called you to a holy life he's not called you to a righteous life what he has called you to is a christ life yeah. amen and a christ life is far more and encompasses far more than a holy life, righteous life, and a moral life. Listen to what it says here. Titus 2, verse 11. Notice what Paul says here. Um, he's, uh, he writes and he says, God's marvelous grace has manifested in person. Beautiful. God's marvelous grace, Jesus is the person of grace, has manifested in person, bringing salvation to everyone. Everyone say everyone. Salvation has been brought to everyone. The same grace teaches us how to live each day as we turn our backs on ungodliness and uh, in, in, uh, an uh, indulgent lifestyle, and it equips us to live self controlled, upright, godly lives in this present age. Wow. Notice here, there's no reference here to, because, I mean, we, we, you, we'll hear this all the time. I mean, I was just, how many of you are familiar with uh, Sarah McCollum, uh, Joyce Myers' daughter? She posted a thing today where she was saying she had this experience where, where somebody was saying to her, y- you, you know, you're just preaching grace all the time. You need to be more balanced. You know, 99% of the time when people say you need to be more balanced, They just want you to add law to what you're preaching. Amen. Notice there's no reference here to an outside law. The reference is the grace of God has manifested in a person. And where is that person? He's in you. And he's been written upon the very fabric of your being. Paul says that you are a new creation. Hallelujah. If any man be in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, everything about you is new. Peter says that because of that, we are partakers of His divine nature. And when we then trust and, and focus every day upon He who is in me, He will be the one who will guide you. He equips us to live self-controlled. Because people say, well, you need to, you need to be self-controlled. You need to be more upright, godly. No, He teaches you. He guides you. Amen. Living the Christ life is actually so easy if we would just trust it. Are you ready to trust that today? Hallelujah. Well, let's all stand. Let's all stand. I'm sorry I've got, I went long, but I came far. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. You know, the presence of God is, is very tangible in this place. Since, since praise and worship. The presence of God is tangible. For those who, bo- who will be willing to sense it. Because it's not just that He's in this place. You know, one of the things I, I absolutely hate is when we go to church and then, uh, you know, the pastor gets up and prays and says, you know, uh, thank you, Father, that you have your Holy Spirit to come and, 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 and be here with us. And then the praise and worship leader gets up and, and says, let's just welcome the Holy Spirit here. Here's the problem. He's never absent. Amen. He's never absent. But we, we tend to think that he just comes here. When we come to church, this is where he's going to come. He's with you Amen. all the time. Hallelujah. This this sense of God's presence, you can have it every day of your life, every moment of your life because he's, He's as close as your breath. So Father, we just come and this morning, Lord, thank You that You have not called us to a holy life or a righteous life or a moral life, but that You've called us to a Christ life. Today, Father, we uh, endeavor endeavor to step in from the outside and step into this, this inward life, living our lives from the inside out. And the grace, the person of grace, Jesus, that You will lead us, not only into all truth, but that you will lead us into a life, a godly life, a moral life for a better term, but that is way more than a holy life, way more than a godly life, way more than a holy life, way more than a righteous life, but a Christ life in which we live in the superabundance of what is already ours, which you have already said yes and amen to, where we live partaking from the inside out of healing, prosperity, peace of mind. Hallelujah. That we can truly say, we have no lack. You know, the the Holy Spirit is just prompting me right here. And and I don't know who this is. And you were saying, but why do I have these desires and, and lust? And, I, and when I say lust, I'm not even talking about, it's not got anything to do with sexual, but just lust for things like... And 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 I just hear the Spirit of God says, because you don't believe that you are fulfilled in Christ. Amen. It's because you think you lack something. You think you think or you've come to believe that you somehow lack something. But in the fact that you are in Christ and He's in you, hallelujah. There's nothing broken, nothing. Lacking, nothing is missing in your life. Jesus, we just yield to you today. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.